Hello, and welcome to Teacher in Zion Podcast, a podcast for Christians, Mormons, ex-Mormons, and other Book of Mormon believers, or anyone questioning their faith or the church, with an emphasis on seeking the truth wherever it leads, but especially in gaining a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm Doug Hatton. I am the host of Teacher in Zion podcast, and I have with me today a longtime friend, Steve Ferguson. And uh, Steve Ferguson is a 70 in the Community of Christ Church, in case you're interested in that kind of information. And we'll let him talk a little bit about about himself, too, just kind of give us some background. But, you know, Steve, this morning I was thinking... We've known each other a long time. Yes, we have. Have you thought about how many years it is? This morning I was thinking about it. Oh, probably close to 20 years. Yeah, it's probably like 22 years, 23 years maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Because we knew each other when I was still in Michigan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. We've done a lot of ministry together. We've had some profound experiences with the Lord together as well. Well, that's what's bonded our friendship. It's the things that we've experienced together. And I think that's such a profound testimony for all of us. The stronger the friendship, it's always based upon the stronger the experiences that you have together. Shared spiritual experiences. And both of us, we have the same heart. We we have our eyes on eternity. We love the Lord. And together, it's like when we combine our gifts, great and marvelous things happen. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, Steve, you've been uh, you've been in ministry a, a, a much longer time than you've known me for sure. Um, tell us the, just a little bit about yourself, if you would, your background. And... You know, it's always hard for me to talk about myself. You know, what what do people really need to know? And w- when asked, I don't go back to you know my childhood and stuff like that. To me, it's always centered on ministry. Because in my heart, that's what I always wanted to be was a minister, even going back to when I was a kid. And it was in 1978 I had my patriarchal blessing. And in the blessing, the uh, Lord laid it out for me. He said, you can move into the occupational world and achieve success and still be an ordinary man. Or you can choose to link your life with me and be extraordinary in all you do. Mm. And I understood the choice. And right then I I made my oath. And I said, Lord, I want to live my life with you and for you. And I knew that there was a calling because the blessing said that as my life moved on in my spiritual development, the Lord would open up new opportunities for ministry, plus greater responsibilities to serve with him for the people. And from that day forward, you know, I moved into the occupational world. We have to, you know, you know, we have to have a job to pay the bills. And uh, I never quite really got into a career. I was bouncing all over the place. I started out in real estate. Then I went to commercial banking. Then I ran a window and awning shop. Then I went into insurance. And I always reached a point where I was faced with the choice do I really want to pursue this career or still wait for the day when the ministry, the greater ministry would open? And I always chose the ministry. And I'm thankful for that 
because that's the man I always wanted to be. I made the choice. I made my oath with the Lord that I'm going to live my life for you. I've got my eye on eternity. I know what's most important. And uh, I stayed true to it. And what was amazing is that as my life moved on in the ministry, more doors opened. Hmm. But then at certain points in my life, the Lord would enter my life and give me a little bit more and a little bit more. As an example, in 78, I had that uh, patriarchal blessing where the Lord laid out the choice, and I made my choice. And then it was in 1984, I had a dream where uh, Jesus visited me. And Jesus and I, we were standing in this vast wheat field, and I could see in the distance a storm was coming in, and uh, the wheat was going to be destroyed by the storm. And there in the field was a solitary barn. And the barn was weathered. The, you know, the door was hanging on its hinges. The storm was going to blow the barn over. And I knew the barn represented the church. Mm. And I was presented with a choice right there. What needs to be done first? Well, in my mind, the barn had to be repaired. Because you can't harvest the wheat if the barn's falling down. <laughs> And just as soon as I started toward the barn, the Lord stopped me. And he said, no, that's mm. my responsibility, that I will yeah. relinquish to no one. And from that day forward, I always trusted that, hey, the church is in the Lord's hand. I'm not going to worry what happens, what's going on. He's aware of it. He's involved with it. And things are happening with purpose. So that's when I picked up a sickle and I started to uh, cut down the wheat. And he stopped me again. And he said, you could spend all your time in harvesting the wheat and only do so much. What I want you to do, though, is raise up workers. Get workers in the field. Train them, motivate them, inspire them, equip them, support them. Hmm. And if you do, we will get this work done in no time. So right then, I knew the mandate that he had in my life is that as a minister... Yes, I'm always to preach repentance and bring people to the Lord, but he gave me a very specific call to raise up workers. Yeah, it goes along with the parable of the vineyard, and they yeah. said few, few are the workers. Uh, so, mm -hmm. But he gave me the reason why. We'll get the work done. So I understood to never worry about the church. Don't worry about it. Worry about inspiring and motivating people. And I found how this has worked out well in my ministry, where I've always been directed towards people that wanted to start ministries. And I was involved with a ministry at a mobile home park here in town. Mm -hmm. uh, this uh, priest wanted to start a ministry, and I was supporting him, helping him, guiding him along. Um, and over time, we had over 80 baptisms in this uh, mobile home park. Mm -hmm. uh, I was directed to work with Paul Acero with... Uh, a homeless ministry downtown off of you know uh, Broadway and uh, you know the ministry just exploded you know another one at Norton Heights and, and other places that I was being directed to these different places to help people support them in the harvest and you know the light bulb went off I get it I get it it makes sense that I don't need to get credit for running a ministry the Lord wants to bless me to be a blessing for others who want to do yeah. ministry. That's an important, a very important ministry. 
and it, it's a right out of Ephesians, Ephesians four, right? Um, he puts these different ministries, and and part of the the important part of the ministry, I think, it, we have forgotten quite a bit in. Uh, priesthood of the churches of the various Mormon denominations a bit is that we're supposed to equip people yes. you know for the work in the ministry um, so well, go ahead no in my mind that was the whole role of priesthood and we got it backward is that the priesthood are the ones that are leading the people but that's wrong we were the support staff supporting the membership yeah that that was the priesthood's job to be servants the servant ministry to to help empower the membership to do the things that Jesus did. Absolutely. So, you know, and I know this change is coming. It has to come. Yeah. And it's to. the ministers yeah. that once they get the understanding of what they're really called to be as a servant minister. Yeah, it's one of the things that the Lord was showing me over the last number of years here, just that that the the membership had sort of been relegated as an audience you know your church became a show and you're the audience in the show and this is not how the early christians worshiped it's not how they did it in the church that the was established among the nephites uh, it's something that and you know it wasn't joseph smith's fault or anything it was something we sort of got from from the you know the gentile churches <laughs> that we came out of the you know reformation yeah. movement protestants going yeah. back to catholic is you know the members of the church are audience members they you know you can participate by giving your tithe <laughs> uh, sing some songs but that's yeah. it you know and that's not how it was meant to be and i i know you have seen that vision and we've seen it together actually being done in house churches and things mm -hmm. like that where we're all praying and we see some miracles from that you know not from priesthood alone but by members st stepping out in faith and praying and prophesying and laying on hands we've seen miracles and that you know for me that that was an eye-opener uh, wasn't all about the priesthood you know, recently I heard a prophecy of, you know, the days that are coming that really got my attention. And it tied in with the scripture, the first shall be last, and the last shall be mm -hmm. first. And what this prophet was saying is that in the very early church, it was all house ministry. They didn't have, yeah. you know, these big cathedrals. And that the, the apostles, they're equipping people to run a house ministry to bring their neighbors their guests you know their, their friends and they would you know come to their home and have these little group worships that were powerful and then you know it progressed into the you know the big denominational churches that we see today where people are more participants spectators but what's coming is how it was in the beginning where you will find more house churches yeah. sprouting up and the priesthood will be going from house to house supporting the ministry empowering people inspiring them equipping them mm -hmm. to help them even start up these house churches so yeah oh, i just thought that was interesting that's what they got going on in china right now and yes to great effect and in iran and other places where the church is outlawed yes I heard it said, I don't know if this is true, but years ago I heard it said that the church in China, which was all underground, that they had 
really an abundance of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things they were praying for America and for the American churches is for us to experience persecution. Yeah. Not, be, not you would think that's a kind of a hatred kind of thing, but it isn't. the The reason why is they were seeing that until we begin to experience a measure of persecution, we're a lot of us are lost in Christianity. We 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 don't know how good we got it, and and we've kind of turned Christianity into I don't know. It's it's not genuine like it ought to be. Um, but when people get real serious. I mean, we'll start to see the church as it should be, I'm sure. Well, I'd like to add something else. And what I found when I uh, went to India is that when Jesus is your only hope. Yeah. See, right now we we have our hope in the church institution, the leaders. But when there's that level of persecution where Jesus becomes your only hope. Yeah. That's when the signs and wonders start flowing. That's when you see the manifestations of the Spirit. And that's where the true faith comes. Yeah. Well, sometimes we're, we're just too comfortable, I think. And, you know, the, the necessary sacrifice uh, that is needed, which is a broken heart and contrite spirit. I mean, when you're living in a comfortable country and you're living <laughs> a comfortable life and everything, it becomes a little more difficult to want to give up that life, yeah. you know. In the time of Jesus, I mean, you didn't have it so good. You know, the Romans were over them, and they were having a hard time, and, you know, they got very serious about things. It was a good time. I think we're headed for times like that, and and it we, but we don't need to wait until <laughs> until things get bad. The Lord is inviting us now. This is the opportunity. This is the time, because then we could be one of the workers in the field and not just part of the harvest. But, yeah, this is a time of opportunity. Um, so I had an episode a while back that was called Let's Talk About Zion. Mm. And in there, I talked about just the strange number of testimonies and witnesses that the Lord has put in my life early on when I first gave my life to him, that Independence, Missouri is the place of Zion. Because, you know, we have the word of Joseph Smith, and that's about it. I remember someone in the church one time saying, well, there's it's... There's only one witness to that, really. I'm not sure if I, if we can believe it. And I thought, well, that's, I guess that's a genuine thing. Um, but right away, and I, I can only say this must have been important for the Lord because I wasn't really even inquiring or worrying about it too much at that time. I was living in Michigan. But he kept putting me in contact with witnesses of Zion. And it, so it seemed to be important to him. And I remember one of the first ones was walking in a Christian bookstore and seeing uh, Rick Joyner's The Harvest mm -hmm. on the shelf. And I remember the Holy Spirit, it was like, just jumped up and like, get that book. And I was, I had to have that book and I didn't know why, you know, and it was an amazing book. But also in the middle of this book is this testimony because it's this huge opening vision of the last days. And in there he says, in the last days this great revival worldwide revival will begin in missouri yeah. and he said yeah. and independence will be a blessing to the entire world and i'm like whoa you know this is not a mormon he has nothing to do with mormonism doesn't believe in the book of mormon doesn't know anything about joseph smith's prophecies none of that and of course rick joiner he was a part of the whole kansas city prophets that's a whole other thing Right. So there was a huge movement here just in Kansas City, 
and prophets having nothing to do with Mormonism whatsoever. Um, but a lot of them had testimony. I know Bob Jones did about right. the importance of oh, independence. Mike Bickle, too. Yes. Uh, so we got the IHOP um, Forerunner Church here, and, and all these things are remnants of that. And well, in any case, I had shared some things in that episode, just some of these testimonies. And, and one of them was yours, one of your testimonies, or I shared it in part. I had almost no detail, but I, mm. I shared it anyway. And uh, since then, I know I've talked to you a couple, few times about it and just trying to get down, yeah. nail down some of the uh, details because I've been asked by people for more detail. They're very excited about that. And, you know, for me, it, it all starts with, I think it might have been you originally who told me one of these stories way back when, one of these testimonies. And I mean, I'm talking about a long time ago, like when I first moved here, or maybe even before I moved here. And anyway, I found myself visiting on the temple lot, and I went into the temple lot church. And I don't remember his name, but it's the old apostle who was always there, who would meet you. And they had a presentation if you wanted to come in. And there was a few other people. We went in there, and he presented us, you know, like a little movie or something, and it was basically to show the history of the church and how, well, they're the one true church, you know, because we all have our stories about sure, why we believe sure. we're the one true church. And he, he asked if we had any questions afterwards. And I, and I had heard this story about the temple lot and a connection to the Native Americans, and I thought, it was so fantastical. Is this really real? You know, and I don't know who I'd heard it from uh, at this point, but... I asked him about, I kind of laid out the story a little bit, and I said, this is something I've heard. Is there any truth to this? And I was kind of expecting him to go, I don't know what you're talking about. But I was surprised. He became very animated Hmm. and a little upset. And he said something to the effect of, yeah, well, they think they own this land. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I thought, well, that's interesting, you know, um, you know, and he says, yeah, sometimes they come here and do things and we just leave them alone, you know, and I was like, wow, that's, that's really interesting. So something's going on there. Well, it turns out you've got some, you've got some knowledge on this. I thought it'd be great if we had you come on and share some things, including this testimony, because others are very interested in it. So tell me, what do you, there's a native connection, Native American connection to this property for sure, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. Perfect. Let me give you a little background. Uh, in 1995, when I was ordained to 70, I had uh, I was taken in the night visions, and uh, in this vision, Wallace B. Smith, he sat me in a chair and put a full-length mirror in front of me, and he started prophesying over me. He said, "I'm going to show you your past, your present, and your future." And in the prophecy, there was a lot given, but the one part that's relevant here is that I was going to be sent to the Indians. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was really neat, that I would be providing an ethnic ministry. Well, lo and behold, shortly thereafter, I found out that I was going to India. <laughs> <laughs> the Indians, okay. It's, you know, <laughs> yeah, the Lord's got a sense of humor. I'm going to send you to the Columbus. Indians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for yeah. that confusion. <laughs> so you know, I ended up spending 30 days in India and just had a life-changing experience. Yeah. And shortly after I got back, the door opened for me then to go to the Native Americans. Interesting. The first people. 
And it was just amazing how it happened. The Lord opened the door. I got a call from a Sundance chief and said, hey, why don't you come do a sweat with us sometime? I had no idea what he was talking about, but I said, okay. (laughs) And I just went and fell in love with it. And I started doing these Inipi ceremonies and learning their ways. And after about seven years of doing the sweat lodge ceremonies, I mean, we were doing this twice a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in a sweat, and a, a chief from the reservation was at one of these lodge ceremonies. And afterwards, he said, hey, why don't you come do a sun dance with us? And I said, okay. I didn't even know what it was. And right there, yeah. I made a four-year commitment, <laughs> not even knowing what I was getting myself into. And I was just going. Whatever door opened, I was going to go through it. And... Uh, I spent a number of years, you know, in uh, Native American spirituality. And what I was told is that the Lord was sending me to the Native Americans not to proselytize proselytize Mm -hmm. to them, but to learn their ways. I was being sent as a student. That's all I want you to know, Steve. You're going there to learn. And if you're humble, you will know their ways, and you will learn many things. And it happened. You know, I'm not Native American at all. I'm 97% Scottish, English, and Irish, and 3% (laughs) mutt. I have no Native Uh American blood in me. Mm -hmm. But over the years, I'd learned enough, and I'd showed enough humility and respect. They started opening the door to teach me their ways where eventually I was given a Native American name in a ceremony I was adopted in I was adopted into you know the tribe and I was even given the rights to uh, uh, lead their ceremonies which which is huge for a white guy you know yeah so over the years I started meeting more and more Native American people and developing a friendship they started sharing me sharing with me some of their testimonies and this is one of them that I'm going to share okay okay now this was an event that happened at the temple lot back before Columbus even discovered the new world okay yeah. i was given four different testimonies of the same event now what was unique is that when you look at these four different testimonies and they came from four different tribes mm-hmm. okay you look for the similarities that's important all these testimonies yeah. contain the same piece but then look for the differences as well. Because the differences, okay, this person noticed this where these others didn't. And, you know, so that's important as well. So anyway, back in that day, the Osage tribe controlled this land. They were considered a fierce people, tall, very handsome people. And they controlled the land, uh, basically all of Missouri, into eastern Kansas, down into uh, Arkansas. And uh, now you got to remember, this happened before dis- before Columbus discovered mm-hmm. the New World. Yeah. Horses are not indigenous to Americas. Horses were not even introduced to the Americas until the Spaniards came. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's important because up until that time. They just walked everywhere, or they would have runners that would run from you yeah. know, tribal area to tribal area. Well, anyway, a day came when there was a uh, great battle, great battle, huge, well, I shouldn't say 
great, large battle on what we call the Temple Lot. And the battle was over, you know, the land. It was good, good, rich hunting territory, mm -hmm. sweet water. You know, there was you know, a lot of benefit. This land had an abundance, and a number of these different tribes wanted it. So there were like thousands of warriors and braves fighting on the temple lot this one day, where suddenly a great light appeared in the sky, and a voice spoke to them all, saying, Stop fighting on this holy land. And all of them heard the voice in their own native tongue. Which I thought that was really neat. It's like Peter, you know, when yeah. he gave his sermon. That yeah. everybody heard him speak in their own language. Well, this is what's happening. A great light appears in the heavens. A voice commands them, stop. You know, this land is holy. And they all heard it, and immediately they're looking up. Well, anyway, the fighting stopped as this personage descended in the midst of them. Now... A couple of these testimonies actually name the personage as yeah. Wanikiawakan. Okay. Wanikiawakan, which means sacred savior. It's their name for Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Whether they recognize it or not, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, whether they recognize it or not. And then Jesus, when he's descended in the midst of them, he said, Go to the river and wash yourselves. In remembrance that this is holy land. I want you to take a stone the size of your fist and send runners to your tribal lands and then bring back a stone of the same size and place it on the ground where my feet touch today, wow. marking it as a place where in future days the great lodge of the Lord will be built. This lodge will be built and will be a symbol of peace and a symbol of unity and of love among the children of men. Which explains stories of this large deposit or pile of rocks on that property yes. um, back in the day of Joseph that was there that mm -hmm. we've heard from a different sources. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, of course, all of them immediately dropped their weapons. They walked in mass to the Missouri River and washed all the blood and war paint off. And one of the testimonies said the Missouri River ran red like blood. Yeah. There were so many people there. The war paint. So yeah. they came back. They, they did what Jesus instructed them. They took the rock was basically their testimony. They went back with the stone, shared this testimony, and brought a stone back and started making this pile of stones. And one of the testimonies said for over a thousand years, the Indians would place stones on this pile. Now, yeah. the actual pile, and I, I saw a testimony describing the pile. Now, basically, it was said to have been about six to eight inches high. Mm -hmm. But once they removed the stones, there was an indentation in the ground of about nine inches from the weight of the stones. Yeah. So, you know, it was probably closer to, you know, 18, you know, 24, two feet tall, yeah. but it was nine feet by 12 feet. So it wasn't like a tower that they built. It was nope. kind of like an altar, almost. like an altar. Yes, yeah. like an altar. And it was where the feet of Jesus stood. Yeah. Now, 
I guess in 1929 the land was excavated, mm-hmm. and uh, you know that's you know that's where they were finding all these stones. Uh, the, the testimony is how uh, you know a woman was growing up in the area, and she always saw the pile there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Smith, you know, I guess maybe took one of the stones and marked the temple lot with it. And uh, you know, over time, when the white men moved in, they took all the stones and used it to build Lexington. You know, yeah. the street Lexington just the north of it. That. Yeah. Right, right. But uh, for many years. The Indians did that. Oh, here's another interesting piece. One of the testimonies said that if you were up into the sky looking down, it would have looked like a wagon wheel with all the spokes going off to the different tribal nations in all the different directions from the pile. (laughs) Well, that's interesting. And everybody was welcome. That was unique. From that day forward, every tribal nation was welcome there. And from their testimony there was never ever again a battle fought on that land they held true to their testimony and of course Jesus came to the Nephites at some point so yeah you know makes you wonder if this is the same (laughs) spot (laughs) well I've got a testimony on that also (laughs) I had uh, awesome you know as a 70 I I travel and I I would go around all these different communities and uh, helped congregations set up outreach ministry and I was asked to uh, set up an outreach ministry for one of these small farming communities here in the area I'd never been there before I didn't know anybody and I just I just showed up one day and as soon as I uh, got out of the vehicle this Native American woman she yells at me she goes you I had a vision about you. And I looked at her like, oh, yeah, really? And she just makes a beeline towards me. And she goes, you. I was given a vision about you. And she started prophesying to me that I would be going to the Sundance. And I looked at her and said, yeah, I am. She goes, I know you are. I had a vision about this. And I'm here to tell you that when you go, one of the three Nephites will be going with you. Huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you are humble, you will know their ways, and you will learn many things. And the prophecy came true. Yeah. I have a three-Nephite testimony, just as she prophesied that I would. Mm. So I developed a profound respect for her, and she started to share with me this very personal testimony of hers. And she was taken in the visions and saw the land bountiful. And in the vision, it was the second day. And if you remember, after the first day, the word went out, and people from all over started streaming into Bountiful. All night long, the word was going out. Yes, yes. And she saw that. She saw people coming from all these different places with their torches, walking in the night. You know, sort of like a wagon wheel coming the other way, coming Uh, back to the center. (laughs) So remember the first testimony, the paths looked like a wagon wheel going out. Now all these people like a wagon wheel were coming in with their torches. And she goes, independence is bountiful. Wow. And it was her testimony that Jesus visited the temple lot twice. That that land had been set apart for a great and marvelous purpose a very very long time ago well see now i've also heard 
testimony from other people about this wagon wheel business. Um, I heard a testimony, I believe it was from a uh, lady that had a vision or a dream or something where the people gathering to Zion that spiritually she saw, and it was as a wagon wheel, spokes of a wagon wheel, she said, going out from Independence, Kansas City area out into the world. And there was, it was like highways being thrown up for people to, to come. And just interesting that that symbolism keeps repeating itself. It's like Jacob's Ladder. He saw angels coming and going, coming and going. Yes. So people would be coming from all directions and going out into all directions. Yep. And uh, that was a testimony of uh, Caesar at the uh, forward um, KC4, or Shift Shift KC, isn't it? That's the name of it. Yeah, Shift Uh, Kansas City. Interesting church in this area, or or, uh, uh, an equipping ministry anyway. And I've been there a couple times. The very first time I was there, he was... He was giving a prophetic vision and speaking of the Kansas City area as the Lord had shown it to him. He was speaking about Zion. He didn't use the word Zion, but it was it was that same thing. He said he saw a highway like between heaven and earth of angels ascending and descending, you know, and I just thought, wow. And, he, you know, this was going to come to pass. You know, angel ministry will become so normal. It'll be like, well, it's sort of like when Peter was in prison and when he got out, miraculously he got loosed by the lord and he comes and um when he shows up at the door where people are worshiping and praying they think it's an angel and i gotta think if you if you saw your friend at the door and you knew he was in jail and you think it's an angel then you that means you think it's more likely there's an angel there than it's actually your friend got out of jail so i'm thinking angel ministry must have been fairly common <laughs> right <laughs> like yeah. that would not have been to me i would much more likely think well he got out of jail somehow and i would not think there was an angel but i think angel ministry was very common in that time i think we'll see it again you bet here's something else i want to add to this when you go to uh third nephi nine and it's a 84 yeah. through a 91 now that's the rlds vision or version jesus is given a testimony or he's given a prophecy saying i'm going to let you know when the time of gathering to zion will begin basically this is going to be the sign for you to seek when you see the sign you will know that the time of gathering to zion has begun and basically in a nutshell the covenant people us will fall into iniquity due to unbelief we'll get more focused on worldly things we will forget about our our calling our purpose and the Lord would raise up the Gentiles who would start preaching our ancestral message. And when we hear the Gentiles preaching this message, that's the sign. Yeah. So you mentioned Caesar, IHOP, Bob Jones, Rick Joyner. All mm-hmm. these people are preaching a literal gathering to yeah. this area. That Kansas City will be recognized that people from all over the world will come, and they say, come to the Kansas City area, but you know yeah. we know it's Independence is the center yeah. of it all. And no connection to Mormonism, no connection to Joseph none Smith. None at they all. Have, they have none of that history. Yeah. So it's the sign that Jesus said to look for to know the times and seasons, that it has begun. Mm-hmm. So you know, I want all your listeners to know that, hey, be excited. It started. And oh, yeah. we have the opportunity to be part of this that out of all the eras, out of all the generations of man that we could have lived in, 
we were the ones that were created to live for such a time as this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I, you and I knew each other at a time when I went and joined a community in Iowa. I was there mm-hmm. for a couple of years. And the reason why I came out of that community was I, I did a four-day fast in a teepee alone. And at the suggestion of the, the leader there, um, it was in regards to how to minister to people in the church that I'd come from, the Church of Christ Restored. And on the third night of that fast, three times in the night, Christ appeared to me. And I totally understand now where Moses heard the voice of the Lord out of the bush and he, he, he didn't, he was afraid to look because he, to look upon the Lord, he was afraid to look upon the Lord. That's how I was. Sadly, that's where I was at. I was like, I did. I knew he was there. I saw him out of the corner of my eye. He was standing there, and I was like, Oh, I'm not worthy enough. You know, I just. I, that's immediately where I went to. I was like, avert my eyes. You know, and he he spoke to me and he said to go to the land of, Z- of Zion. He said, go to Independence, go to your family, and and I have a ministry for you to do there. And it, that's why I left. Three times he came, um, yeah. and so that's a part of my minute. That's part of my testimony of the truth because i've you know over the years i've questioned some of the ideas and teachings and doctrines of the church i kind of go back to the fundamental teachings and so i want to i always need to have my own testimony and this is one of the things the lord has given me is i know that there's something going on here and it's getting bigger and it's going to be very big and it's nothing that we can do we can't make it we can't bring it about if the Lord is going to do this thing. It's the work of the Father the Book of Mormon talks about. Yes. I love that he says this is the work of the Father to gather and that although we can assist, it's his work. And he says and the reason why the Father is going to do it, he says, is that you will know that I am God. Because hmm. uh, we're going to know that he is doing it. It's his hand at work. I'm very excited about that. One of my favorite verses also that ties into that is where Jesus says, and this is in 3 Nephi 9, if I recall, it's 95. He says, for my sake shall the Father do this work. And that that melted my heart. And I, I ended up preaching a whole sermon on it. But, you know, we need to understand that Zion's not about us. It's the Father's gift to the Son. Of people who will love him that we're told that Jesus is in and through all things that all things are held together by him okay and we forget yeah. to understand that Jesus cannot separate himself from the earth he loves all people all people are called to come to him that when he talks about tribulation being worse than anything the world had ever seen what we forget to understand is that Jesus will endure it all yeah he will endure tribulation. And Zion is a people of one heart, one mind, basically a people that are one with Jesus. That the Father is going to gather this people together and Zion is done for Jesus' sake. And it's basically this people who will love Jesus, who will minister to him, who will be his abode, who will comfort him. And it's basically what he said to Enoch. Um, you know, in the inspiration, version where Jesus and Enoch are looking upon Zion and Jesus says behold my abode forever so it's a whole new paradigm of what Zion's all about 
It's not about us. Yeah. It's the Father's gift to the Son, and we are to assist the Father in doing this for Jesus. Hmm. Anyway. Well, and that's not the I don't that's not the only testimony I think you have regarding temple lot specifically. Um, there is a tree that was planted. Yes. Tell me yes. about that. <laughs> okay. Basically, what had happened is that in uh, 2001, the uh, RLDS Church or Community of Christ at the time had a, a conference called Call to the Nations. And they just sent out the invitation to all the different nations, or Native American nations, first people. Okay. And uh, people from all over were coming. We're, we're coming to independence for this call to the nations. And, um, you know, most of them didn't know about the Community of Christ. They were just invited to this conference. And uh, the church was approached by this individual, uh, Chief Jake Swamp, of the Iroquois Seneca tribe. And he came to the uh, Community Christ Temple and he saw that it was dedicated to the pursuit of peace. Hmm. And that astounded him. He goes, wow, I have a story to tell you about that. Now, I have to admit, it's always bothered me that that temple was dedicated to the pursuit of peace. To me, it needed to be dedicated as a house of the Lord. Yeah. Okay? That's what you dedicate the temple. But Wallace B. Smith felt inspired to dedicate it to the pursuit of peace. Mm -hmm. So here's Jake Swamp, the you know, Iroquois Seneca tribe. He comes and he sees this. He goes, I have a story to tell you. And he started telling the world church leaders the testimony of Jesus descending. Place, of the yeah. stones. Yeah. And that last line, this lodge will be built and will be a symbol of peace and a symbol of unity and of love among the children of men. Yeah. And, and so he's, to him... He's seeing, a, he's seeing a connection there. He's seeing a connection that this yeah. temple is dedicated to peace. Well, Jesus said that it would be peace, unity, mm -hmm. and for all men. And he asked permission to, uh, to plant a tree, an oak tree, a symbol of strength. Yeah. And the church said, wow, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, you can do that. So on the north side of the Community of Christ Temple, there on Lexington, you'll see an oak tree. And I think you probably have a picture of it, Doug. And there's we'll, a little plaque we'll underneath. <laughs> there's a little plaque underneath that, you know, Jake Swamp, you know, he planted this. And it was really in remembrance of the testimony of the stones. Yeah. And of Jesus visiting, and he's seeing the connection. He's seeing the prophecy unfold. Yeah. That, okay, here's this building. Now, of course, you know, Everybody believes that there's going to be another temple yeah. you know, on the temple lot. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say that the Community of Christ Temple is fulfilling that role. Yeah. Uh, but from his perspective. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Yeah, because he's this, got this testimony of what, that this is sacred land. This is yes. a place that you are not to make war. So if you don't make war and you must be at peace and so hey this this land is a land of peace and we're told that zion will be the only place where people aren't taking up arms against each other and, and all these kinds of other things that are going on yeah, so yeah. zion is a place of peace he sees this temple you know right wrong or different or however you feel about it i know people have different feelings but there is a building it is dedicated to peace and it's right on the the land there where this occurrence happened all those years ago. 
and they met well, Christ, you know. Yeah, and it's open to all people. So, you know, what was so amazing is that here's this outsider that is seeing his ancestral prophecy mm-hmm. come true. Yeah. So it's just another testimony to strengthen our faith that, okay, you know, we're in the middle of this. This is our responsibility. Yeah. You know, buckle up. It's time to get to work. This wasn't just an invention of Joseph Smith, some work right. of his imagination. He had no idea about this. He had no idea, no clue that this had happened there. And so regardless of what people think, I mean, the Lord inspired him and let him know this was an appointed place. It was a special place. And for the longest time, all we would have is basically his word on it. Mm-hmm. But amazing how many testimonies and witnesses outside of the restoration have come forward now and revealed this is a special and unique place appointed. Uh, so it doesn't make it Zion just because we're here on a piece of land. I know Zion still is a condition. It's a, it's a people, not really a place. But there is an appointed place. We're going to see something extraordinary happen here. That's my testimony anyway. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm hoping the listeners will understand that that's the real meat of what this podcast was intended to convey, that for many years we had this testimony, we preached it, we believed it, and in many ways we haven't pursued it, that it's not here. But now we're hearing the exact same story from IHOP, Bob Jones, Rick Joyner, Caesar, the Native Americans. We're hearing the story from the different spokes of the wheel. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. That now the testimony is coming in from the different spokes to the center. Mm-hmm. And now we're hearing it. Oh, yeah. You know, to reinvigorate us, to help remind us and inspire us. Anyway, I thought that was really cool. <laughs> oh, it is. It's awesome. <laughs> and, you know, the testimonies, they they continue, you know. I, I did read a, I read a number of books for a while uh, that were near-death experiences. I thought it was Embraced by the Light. For some reason, I was sure it was that book, but I got that book recently and reread it. It's not. It's a different book I read. But in one of the books I'd read back in the 90s, uh, a person had been taken up and they were shown a map of the United States and they saw catastrophes happening, things happening on the coast. They saw that there was almost kind of a status of like civil war or possibly foreign agents or something was going on. There's a lot of uh, war-like things happening. And, but they saw that there was a center of light in the middle of the United States. And they said it's around like the Kansas City area. And it was like a like it had a bubble of light around it. And I remember very distinctly, I wish I could find which book that was. I've been hunting my memory and trying to see if I can remember, but and go back and get that book again and read it. But I remember very distinctly they said it was the only place where people were not at war with each other. Yeah. And that they were a complete peace with their neighbor. And that the light of Christ just in be- just filled that 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 area, you know. I don't know how we're going to get there, and I don't know what the sequence of events are exactly, other than what we read, you know, in the Book of Mormon and so forth. But um, 
I'm excited. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of, of the gathering. It says we can assist in the gathering. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up, though, and this is why I think it's important to talk about this kind of thing. You did a lot of ministry among the Native Americans. I guess, you know, maybe the church would call it Indian ministry. And yet the way that you did it is very unique, I think, from, from most people. It wasn't all about, well, you have something to give them. So go there and let them know there's something they need to know. Mm-hmm. You were told to first go and learn from them, learn their ways, learn about them, be a part of them. This is the one of the things I think we failed it in the church in all of our years that we ever tried, and I think mostly failed in our, in our attempts, is because we came with the perspective that, well, we had something for them, they have nothing for us. Mm-hmm. But the Book of Mormon really kind of shows the opposite. The Book of Mormon, yes, we have this book that has a knowledge of the covenants he made with their fathers. Yes. But also it says in the Book of Mormon that if we repent, that we will be numbered among them, among the seed of Lehi. Not they numbered among us. And we've been trying to get them to join our churches. Our various LDS, you know, our LDS, all of us, we've all been out there. All these different kinds of factions of Mormons out there trying to get them to join. And we built little, you know, and, and I think, <laughs> I just, uh, it's interesting. It's always been about, you know, joining the church. But really, the church is a people, just like Zion is. Mm-hmm. And it's bigger than just us. It's bigger than you and I, Steve. It's bigger than, well, it's bigger than the community of Christ. It's bigger than, you know, the old RLDS. It's bigger than the LDS. It's bigger than the community, of, uh, the Church of Christ, Temple Lot, Hedrickite group. It's bigger than all of us. And it's bigger than any Mormon faction put together. Right. It is people outside of it. it and it's our, it's our native brothers, Manasseh, the seat of Lehi, that that the Book of Mormon says they're going to build the new Jerusalem on this continent. So I don't know how we thought we were going to do it without them. That's kind of a mystery to me. That we, we went about trying to do it without them at some point. That didn't work. Um, but hopefully we'll, we'll learn that lesson now. And I really do believe that God himself is actually uh, awakening Manasseh. He's awakening our brothers the indigenous peoples of this of this continent um, yeah. and when they awaken I really believe it's going to be like what Paul says about the Jews he says you know if the falling away of them was the riches of the Gentiles you know it's how much more when they are restored how much more of a blessing will they be and that's how I see our brothers the seed of Lehi that they're going to be a tremendous spiritual blessing to us. If I could, I'd like to add a little bit to the spiritual blessing. The lesson that I learned why I was sent to them. And when we look at our churches and our you listen to our prayers and the sermons and our practice, all we can fathom is Jesus as a man sees a man. It's the Native Americans, though, their mindset is experiencing God in and through all things. Yes. And I had to learn how to experience God in and through all things. And the teaching, the lesson, how, what I was taught about this, and this came from the Lord. 
And the Lord said, Steve, when I come to you as a man sees a man, I can only come to you as friend or as judge. Hmm. And most of my people have not developed a friendship with me where they can only receive me as judge. My appearing to them would hurt them. Hmm. It would cause them to flee. And that's why people do not have experiences with me, you know, as a man sees a man, because they cannot receive me as friend. But because of that, I come to them in and through all things. When the sun is on your face, I'm there. When the wind is blowing through your hair, I'm there. I'm in your dreams. I'm in your thoughts. Yes. I'm in your, the voices of others around you. And I'm always trying to develop within you a friendship. So you need to appreciate me in and through all things. And then he gave me the story of the brother Jared. you got to remember, the brother Jared had greater faith than anybody ever. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But what happened once he saw the finger of God? He couldn't cope with it. He goes, "You're a man." He, he fell to the ground. Yeah. In fear. <laughs> but see, he had greater faith than anybody, but his faith was based upon God being in and through all things. Uh-huh. He had no concept of God, the man. Yeah. You have a body? <laughs> yes. Now we can only fathom God as a man sees a man. We have yeah. no concept of God being in and through all things. So this is one of the main lessons that the Native Americans will bring to us, Mm -hmm. how to interact with God in a living, sentient earth, in and through all things, to learn the language of the earth, to hear God speaking through the earth's interactions with us. You see what I mean? This was something that I just intuited uh, in my spirit since I was young, but not everybody has this, is that I've always felt God most keenly when I was in nature, when I was Mm. in the woods, when I was along the lakes and the rivers up north. And, and, uh, I, you know, some people used to think, you know, there was these men that would come to church, they were hunters. And a lot of times they would go hunting and instead of going to church sometimes, (laughs) I remember one guy in particular, and he would say, I feel I feel I have a I have this connection to God when I'm in the woods more than I'm when I'm at church. And I you know, I kinda questioned that on some level, of course. I was newly put into the ordained in the priesthood and I'm like, Well, that's not right. You know, but at the same time there was a part of me that's like, I hear what you're saying. You know, I mm-hmm. I know that feeling and you know, I know my own stepfather. It wasn't the hunting of the animal that why he went out. Yes, he liked to get some meat for the winter. Um, he enjoyed venison, but that wasn't the real thing. It for him, it was just being out there hours and hours alone in the woods, and that was where he had had his first encounter, where he heard the voice of the Lord. Ah, you know, yeah, I can he was calling him into ministry. God was calling. He knew he was calling him to ministry. He had a smoking habit. Well, in our church, smoking is kind of frowned on. You know, maybe not as severely as the LDS church, but it was very much frowned on in that day, you know. And and so the idea was, well, if you're going to come into ministry, if you're going to be ordained, you know, you probably will need to kick that habit. You know, people are going to probably judge you for that. And he was out in the woods having a smoke. And his testimony was he heard the wind rustling through the leaves and the branches, and he felt the presence of the Lord and he looked up, and a voice said, you don't need that anymore. Mm. And he put the cigarette out, and he never had 
even in one ounce of desire to pick it up again. The Lord had taken it from him completely. Wow, amen. And that amen. was in the woods, you know. It didn't happen at church. It happened out in the woods where he felt close to his creator. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the lesson we want the listeners to understand and to take away is that there's a purpose behind everything the Lord does. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we need Manasseh to help kick this off is that they're going to bring a new mindset. Mm-hmm. That I don't want you to be concerned about your church buildings. Yeah. I don't want you to be concerned about the infrastructure. I want you to focus on experiencing God in and through all things. You see, many people, they feel like, I have to go to church to meet God. And then once there, I have to pray to invoke, pray the invocation to invite God to come. And then I'm going to go away and I'm going to come back again next week. Or I have to go to the grove to experience God. (laughs) I have to go here. I have to go there. But no. All you have to do is just center yourself wherever you're at, wherever you're at. He's in you the just, very air that we breathe. Yes. Yes. That's why Jesus says, hey, go into your closet and pray. Yeah. <laughs> that I am with you always. That I will never leave you nor forsake you. And this is the lesson that we're going to have to learn. That I think the Manasseh or the Native Americans or first people you know, are going to bring to us is to expand our understanding on our relationship with Jesus. One of the things I, I've come to understand is that the great gift of Manasseh is they're much more about the heart. And white people are tend to be a lot more about the intellect. Hmm. And I think we know that you can get Jesus in your mind, you can have intellectual belief, but until you get it in the heart, you know... And we're up here so too often as a people. And so we get involved in all kinds of side things, uh, politics. That's a big one that the Lord has spoken to me and you about, this political. We're just all concerned about all these politics and all this stuff. Like we're missing, we're missing out on what the Lord's trying to do when we get all wrapped up in those things. Manasseh is about the heart. They're much closer, I believe, in spiritual things. Um, just by the the way that they live, the way that they are taught and how they are raised, than we are. We are very much from the intellect. You know, we come out of the age of enlightenment. You know, the European and the and the new in America, um, and you know we're really good at inventing things and making gadgets and doing science. We're good at that, uh, and that's not a bad thing. But I believe this is one of the gifts that Manasseh has and and also ultimately Manasseh and Ephraim brought together I mean that's Joseph yes and this is the land of Joseph mm-hmm. and so I think in some ways we'll be made whole and so will they when we come together we well, got to remember too we're together the 10 lost tribes mm-hmm. so there's going to be even more insight more yes. testimonies to come that we need all the stories come together. Isn't it in the Book of Mormon where the Lord says that he's going to visit all the tribes yes. and give them all a book yes. and the day will come they will all come together mm-hmm. and say the same thing. 
Yeah. Jesus is the eternal Christ says manifesting will, himself to all nations. Says those so, other records will testify of the truth of the first. Yes. So like Manasseh and Ephraim, or Manasseh kicks it off, but Ephraim is the one that's involved yeah. with gathering. But it's more of a servant ministry as we're bringing all these people in different testimonies together. Mm-hmm. We'll be serving them and helping them find purpose, place, and position, helping everyone grow in these additional yeah. testimonies into a greater testimony that we all need. Well, I know you can't really speak to this, but you've seen it. When you think about all the different independent restoration groups, they can't hardly, they got 98% of everything in common, but they can't get along because of the 2%. And, and to just budge that much sometimes is a, is a mighty ask. For some people, but the Lord's going to have to do some yeah. mighty moving of mountains here because we've got a lot. When you are speaking about not only, first of all, just joining with Manasseh, what a huge change that's going to be. Yeah. But think about then you said, hey, but then there's 11 more tribes, you know, <laughs> and how much more growing and different types of cultures and ways of worshiping and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it isn't just one way to express yourself to God. So, you know, some people may dance before the Lord. David danced before the Lord. Uh, other people think dancing is disgusting. That's don't, you don't need to do that. That's wrong. You don't, don't dance before the Lord. What's dancing about? That doesn't, that doesn't fit in the church. And yet we have all these different cultures and ways of expressing. It's a lot of growth for us. And I, I was just reading, and I've been rereading Joyner's book, uh, The Call. Uh, I think originally it was called The Final Quest, the first book of it. And it was very interesting because he was noticing just how much needed to take place for what we need to be ready for what's, what's coming. And then the Lord told him, like, a day... A thousand years is as a day with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then the statement is made, the Lord can do in one day what would normally, we would think, would take a thousand years to accomplish. So I know we have a lot that needs to take place, but I also know that when things start rolling, we, we're probably going to be surprised yeah. just how yeah. quickly things begin to move. Well, as Bob Jones also prophesied, that the Lord will change the expression of Christianity in a day. So mm. when you think of expression, it is how we live the message. Yeah. How we, you know, how the light of Jesus flows through us, how we express Christianity. And see, when you mentioned, you know, like the independent restorationist, and, you know, I love them, and I, I understand the mindset, and it's one that many of us were taught. Yeah. And it's an Old Testament mindset that it's the rules that matter, that we yeah. must follow the rules. And the Book of Mormon talks about how the law of Moses was one of performance and ordinance. Now, it's not saying the rules are not important. They are. But Jesus changed all this and said, I desire mercy. Yeah. Mercy instead of sacrifice. And it's the love for people, the service of people, that I'm willing to give all I have to people. You know, that's going to be the expression, is what are you willing to to give up for people's sake, hmm. for your neighbor? What are you willing to give up to help them, to minister to them? Are you going to give them certain requirements that they can't meet? 
because mm. they haven't grown far enough. It's as if yeah. we say, I'm setting this bar for you. You can be part of the group once you meet this bar. Yeah. And Jesus says, no, no. They can't learn until they experience. Express it to them. Love them as I do and love them whole. Minister to them. Accept them where you find them and watch what I can do with them. Yeah. That is that is the whole of his message. It's the whole of the power behind everything that's going to take place. It's the love of God, the love of Christ in our heart. Without that, we're going nowhere. You know, people look at uh, the failed experiment of Zion back in the 1800s and and they're like, well, they didn't obey the rules. Uh, they were supposed to consecrate everything to a certain bishop, and da da da. And they've got all these reasons why it failed. Well, those aren't the reasons I've seen in the scriptures. And and you know, it's not about whether you you follow whatever rule it is about giving money to a bishop or whatever. If we are changed creature in Christ, if we are born again, the love of God should be in us that we, if we see our neighbor in need, we're taking care of him. We don't yeah. need a rule. We shouldn't need a law. You know, the the Jews were all about laws so much that even though they had all these exhaustive amount of laws, they mm-hmm. added to them, you know, and well, we'll make additional rules. Not only are you to do no work on the Sabbath, but you can't take more than 500 steps or something like that, you know, to make sure you don't break the actual rule. Yeah. But Jesus comes along and he says, hey, it's all about love God and love your neighbor. That's if you if that's what you're following, if that's what's in your heart, you're going to fulfill the whole purpose of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Jesus said, you know, what manner of people ought you be, even as I am, be like me. Yeah. Well, Jesus was willing to lay down his life for those that hated him. Mm-hmm. That we must be willing to do the same. Love love people serve them do it for the lord's sake give freely that everything i have given to you i want you to give to others share it share it spread it out it makes sense it it just makes sense well i I'm, i'm looking at the clock here and i could spend a long time with you steve um and maybe in the future we can i know you have someone to take care of that you love um, so we're coming up on, I know it's getting a little bit late for you on your, so I want to be, you know, careful with your time. Is there anything else that you would like to share or any message you would like to leave with us? Uh, counsel, testimony? Well, I've shared quite a bit today, but the most important thing I want to convey is that all of you, all those that are listening, there's a destiny about you that the Lord created you with a very specific purpose and plan in mind and he is going to be faithful to work that plan the most important thing is that we need to stop fighting against him and to go where he goes and to do what he does and to understand that when one door closes another door will open and that the Lord is faithful to you It's the day for us to love him completely and to be faithful to him. Amen. Uh, Amen. I'm I'm excited about what the Lord is doing. He's awakening people in all the different institutional churches. He's gathering gathering them to himself so that we can all be one body. You know, not necessarily one institution, but 
one body in Christ. And that makes you my brother. That makes all those people out there listening, my brothers and my sisters. Amen. Um, I'm so excited about what the Lord is doing. I'm excited to meet these new brothers and sisters and worship with them in spirit and truth. Um, I didn't, I don't, you didn't know I was going to do this, but brother Steve, would you close us with a prayer um, and a blessing for those who are listening, especially oh, you this bet. podcast. Oh God, my eternal Father, I come before you with hearts so filled with joy. Joy for these precious souls that you place within our care. Father, I thank you for these opportunities that you give us for your spirit to flow through us. And I know this is a computer podcast. And I ask, Father, that even now your spirit will fill all of those that are listening to this and bless them. Father, I ask that you will sing your love songs over them, that you will minister to them, and let them know that they do have purpose, place, and position in your great and marvelous work. And all you seek is for them to trust you and to desire for more. And the more that they search, the more that they will receive. The more that they receive, the more that they will experience. The more that they experience, the more that they will be able to testify that you are God, you are good, and that you long, Father, for us. So I thank you for each one that's listening to this. And I seek the special blessing upon them. And I pray these things in the presence of our beloved Lord Jesus as I profess to you my faith in him and offer this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being with me this day. Um, I hope we'll have you back someday. Hey, this is fun. There's a, a <laughs> lot to share. So. <laughs> And it's always nice when you're interviewing someone you know. You feel more relaxed that way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but we got some great interviews coming up, and, uh, and you know, so a new year. This is gonna this is gonna drop on uh, the New Year's Eve weekend. Uh, so it'll be the start of a great new year. I'm glad you were with me, brother. I appreciate you. Amen. I love you too, Doug. You are my brother and my friend. Oh, God bless you. Join us for discussion in our Facebook group, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash hope of Zion. Or at our YouTube channel, Teacher in Zion. That's the word teacher, space, and in Zion, spelled as one word. My books can be found at Amazon.com forward slash author forward slash Douglas Hatton. That's H-A-T, like a hat on your head. T-E-N, like the number 10. Until next time.